This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Melissa Moretti. And today we have an outstanding guest join us. We have all the way from Ireland, we have Dan Eagling, who's the development manager with Kane Homes. And Dan used to work in the development world in Vancouver. He has now moved his family over to Ireland, which they deal with a very similar market to us. High, high demand, tough rental market. So we wanted to bring Dan on to find out what is happening over in Ireland and England. How is inflation affecting that? What are interest rates like? How is it affecting supply chains and increasing costs? So a great episode to kind of give us a little bit of insight of what's happening around the world, not just here in Vancouver. Yeah, great conversation with Dan, that's for sure. One thing I want to mention, though, I feel like today I'm sitting here with a local celebrity. So Corey, Corey Wright, my co-host here was named top 40 under 40 by BIV this week or last week. So congrats to you. Well-deserved. I was looking down the list, waiting to see my name. I didn't find it. I think that perhaps you, they missed it. No, but you were probably 41. Next year. You were probably 41. Yeah. That's like it. So I, I appreciate so, so that. So congrats to you. That's very exciting. Huge accomplishment. I, I know you're just that. a hair under 40. So yeah. So I probably got the sympathy vote. They're probably like, they, there's probably 41 people that applied. One guy probably packed up, moved to Ontario, so he couldn't win it. So they just throw me in the mix to get to their number 40 is probably what happened. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll give the typical cliche answer here. I think well I speak deserved. for everybody on the list. None of it's possible to a great, amazing team. And it's a, it's a personal recognition, but there isn't a phenomenal team behind me that that's, uh, I'm sort of accepting it on behalf of all of us. Very humble. On behalf of all of us. Uh, we were talking earlier as well about, I was fortunate to sort of sit in on a BMO webinar recently, and they were talking about interest rates and how potentially that could unfold in 2022, 2023, and 2024. Now, again, these are all just hypothetical scenarios, but I found very interesting on that, that they thought interest rates potentially might be higher at the end of 2023 than where we finish in 2022. I mean, I hope you're wrong. I do too. In some ways. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, but I guess we'll wait and see. So I think the right now the BOC rate, so we're sitting here end of November and the yeah. BOC, the Bank of Canada overnight posted rate is 3.75. Yeah. There's a meeting coming up on December 7th, which I think the prediction is 50 basis points, which would give us to 4.25 at the end of the year. And one of the BMO predictions was that we might be at 4.5% at the end of 2023. So over the next 12 months, we still could see interest rates potentially go up a little bit, not down. So we might have to hold on here a little bit longer. Now, again, there's a number of factors that can play into that that could change those numbers good way, you know, up or down. But they do think rates are going to kind of probably hold steady throughout 2023. And then they think the decline will probably happen in 2024. Interesting. So we'll have to see how that we'll plays out. See. How are things on your end? I know you, you're busy, residential world. Yeah, you know what? It's um, 
mostly steady. Our team is always, we're always steady. It's typically a very slow time of year in, you know, late November, December, regardless. Of course, interest rates and, and other factors are... Interest rates and cocktails. Interest rates and cocktails. That's what slows down the residential market in Vancouver. Interest rates and cocktails. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know what? I think there's, like I said, I think last time there's a lot of opportunities for people. Um, I think there's some challenges for a lot of people, but we're still chugging along. Good. Good. Well, without further ado, we'll get to our interview today with Dan Eagling of Kane Homes and all the way from Ireland. Enjoy, guys. All right. Let's go. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial. John, Alan, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. All right, we're here with Dan Eagling, development manager, Keynes Homes, calling in today from Ireland. Dan, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Corey. Not too bad. And yourself? Good. Uh, late in the evening here, but uh, you know, looking forward to chatting with you this evening. Well, we appreciate you taking the time on here, and and we're slowly building these international correspondents. We've had you know people on from Edmonton. We've had the ladies of Scout Real Estate come on from Calgary. We had Peter Leung from Hong Kong, and now we've got Dan calling from Ireland, who's going to be our international correspondent here to help us out. We wanted to have you on today, Dan, because obviously inflation around the globe is is going nuts everywhere. It's hitting places like where you are in Europe, especially hard. And we wanted to have someone come on today, talk to us all about how is this affecting the the residential and maybe commercial for that matter as well, development markets where you are. Can you maybe tell our listeners more about yourself, Dan? Yeah, for sure. Look, uh, I was living in Vancouver for about eight and a half, nine years, working for uh, Chard Development. Um, and uh, about a year ago, I recently moved over with my wife and uh, family, a little fella and a uh, dog as well. Moved halfway around the world to Ireland, to her uh, homeland. Um, we, we wanted the access to, I'll say, the rest of Europe and, and the excitement of travel that uh, enticed us to come this way, as well as being close to family. So uh, it's, a, you know, it's a bit of history of being in Vancouver and then moving over here. Started working for uh, Khan Homes, um, been there for just over a year now um, as a development manager. And, uh, you know, in the weeds of this, uh, working on one of the biggest projects that we have, which is a total of 5,500-odd homes approximately at this given stage over the next sort of 10 years is our target. It's one of the largest uh, greenfield sites left uh, within Dublin outer region, um, which we're really excited to put shovels in the ground basically in January. So been uh, full steam ahead on that since arriving. And then, Dan, maybe just for the entertainment purposes, our permitting system over here in Vancouver is very archaic. I'm explaining <laughs> it to you as if you haven't been through this time and time again when you were here. How is the permitting process over there? How does it differ and, and maybe good or bad? Yeah, look, you know, I always, uh, sometimes it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Uh, in some ways, as, as of uh, putting it there, but... Um, 
look, you know, when I was in Vancouver, you know, you used to always pull your hair out and just you know, drive yourself mental with the, the timelines that it would take. Um, I'll say it's uh, not that much better over here. Look, there's uh, some interesting insights and views, I would say, that are slightly different and, and maybe it's more upfront and, and in the direction of where things need to go. Um, however, unfortunately, there's a few archaic rules as well over here, such as, uh, you know, basically you can be living anywhere in the country and uh, put up a judicial review, um, which basically stalls and, and delays any project, um, any development uh, across the country, which... You know, makes things very interesting. And look, I, I'd say the timelines are very, very similar. Uh, by the time you get through all the judicial reviews and and uh, further information requests from from the councils over here, so it's uh, it's one of those things that you can't really run away from, unfortunately. So j- just for clarity, you have a development going on, let's say a hundred miles away. I get wind of your development. I don't like it for whatever reason, or I just maybe don't like you as a person, and I want to make your life harder than it has to be. I can put in a judicial review to say, I don't think this project should move forward. This is why. And then that's going to end up on council's desk. It's going to have to be reviewed and then yep. looked into. Yep. That's, that's exactly it. And, uh, you know, it can be, you can have no impact. It can not impact any sight lines for you. You can be oblivious to it. You can just not like the brick color, for example, and, uh, you know, put in the judicial review, which is, uh, you know, it makes for interesting times, but, um, it's, uh, look, I, I think it's just part of the parcel over here. You know, you learn to live with the potential of this, this kind of happening and, and you know how to work around it. And for the most part, I would say the general population is, is fairly up to speed and, and fairly on board with uh, the developments. And, you know, I would say that uh, we're not doing anything outrageous. You know, we're not going to crazy heights. Uh, I think the tallest high, tallest building we have here in Dublin is about uh, 16 stories, uh, if I'm correct. Um, so it's a, it's not a very tall city to put it simply. So, uh, keep things nice and low and, uh, sprawling. You're making the Vancouver permitting process sound very attractive over here. That hasn't happened for quite some time. <laughs> oh, you've got to give it some love every now and again, right? Avenue? So Dan, one of the biggest reasons why we went ahead of coming on, like we said, at the start of the episode here was inflation rates around the globe have been, have been sky high. You guys in Europe and, and Ireland, you guys have seen that. How is that portrayed or how has that affected the real estate business over there, over here, we obviously you're dealing with supply chain issues and interest rates and all that. Because of that, what are you guys seeing over there, especially mainly, mainly where you guys are in yeah. Ireland? Yeah, look for sure. Look, we are seeing very similar. Um, you know, cost of materials is going through the roof. It's, it's an interesting market being part of the eurozone. Um, obviously, Ireland being on their own makes it a little bit harder. We're always importing everything. However, being part of the eurozone. There's a big buying power. Um, so, you, you know, materials, look, we, we've seen month-on-month increases uh, with inflation, which in turn, you know, you're seeing the, the add-on effects to the, the cost of living crisis, um, which I'm sure has made the media over there. Um, but the, the cost of living crisis here in Europe and the UK is, you know, it's kind of through the roof, to be perfectly honest. You know, to just take a step back, here in Ireland, um, they have a very interesting way about going about mortgages ever since the 2008 crash, which, um, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners are aware, they, this is where a fair bit of the epicenter was, uh, was here in Ireland, where, uh, you know, people could get 110% mortgages and, and go crazy. And since then, there, there's been a real restriction on being able to obtain mortgages and, and the lending side of things. So, you know, for a for, a family purchasing a home, you know, you capped at 
it was three and a half times your household income. It only just recently in the last couple of months changed to four times. And they're very strict on that. Um, so it, it very much, that's, you know, your max, there's no leverage up or down from that four times your household income, which makes things very interesting with the, the prices. Here in Dublin, it's the most expensive city here in Ireland. Um, so prices are skyrocketing in the housing market. But it's this weird equilibrium where they can't get too far out of touch of where the household income can actually afford to buy because the lending is so strict. So, you know, taking a step back to Ireland and looking at the housing market, it's very much in demand. Um, we have a huge shortage ever since 2008, uh, you know, for approximately 12 years after that, there was no building. Um, so there was no new construction of homes. We're on a trajectory right now of approximately needing 40,000 homes per year. And I think at the moment we're only hitting about 26,000, if we're lucky, per year with you know uh, a further backlog of about half a million homes um, that we're behind. So the demand is there. The market is there. It's uh, just trying to find that right price point, which is becoming harder and harder as a developer to to be able to hit that um, with all the inflation that, that's coming in. You know, we're seeing it across the board, but we're, we're getting creative. Uh, you know, we're having to change change the way we build, change uh, what offering we give and, and look at, you know, ask the serious questions of, you know, does it come down to us having flooring in or no flooring in? Does it come with appliances or not come with appliances? And these are the hard questions that you have to start to ask really at the end of the day. So, Dan, you mentioned there there was a gap in the construction world. Was that mainly derived by the financial meltdown that caused that yeah. gap in construction? Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, you know, it's kind of something that, you know, you hear about on all, all the movies and media and all this kind of stuff. But to actually see the fallout, you know, where, what, you know, 2022 now, so we're a number of years on that, uh, you know, you look back and kind of go, wow, we're, we're still seeing the effects of, of what happened back then. It's quite surprising, but it, it uh, look at wiped out construction companies, a lot of, a lot of the workforce, um, that was when, you know, there was a big drive for the Irish to, to leave and, and go to other countries. You know, a lot went to Canada, a lot went to Australia, a lot went to the UK and never came back. That being said, you know, with the current crisis in the UK and, you know, they're, they're seeing, I think, it, what was the numbers the other day, about a 44% slide in demand on property there on month on month there. Yeah, so that was uh, September in October, 44% drop there. So a lot of a lot of the, the guys that went to the UK are actually starting to come back. And our company ourselves have, have hired a lot of guys that have come back from the UK into the construction industry back here in Ireland. And uh it's a great, great industry to be in, to be honest with you, back here. It, it's booming. It's just that hard bit of trying to find the balance between inflation and, uh, you know, being able to make the margins on the other end to, to keep a company afloat. Right. So, Dan, some developers over here are saying that construction costs have gone up about 30% in the last year. Are you guys seeing a similar thing there? Or what are you seeing over in Ireland and in the EU? Yeah, to be honest with you, I would say easily 30%. You know, we've seen some projects that were 50% higher. And uh, we just recently did uh, some costing on some civil infrastructure works and it came in at 50% higher as well. So it's we're definitely seeing it. Um, and it's not easy to then turn around and, you know, still have the margins that you need to make for your investors and then turn around and try and, you know, produce something that uh, you can sell at the right price point at the other end. 
So Dan, with like that much demand, just for like a, a comparison standpoint, it, you mean how what would I be paying for a price per foot, let's say, either of a house or a townhouse or a condo, with that much demand, and you guys dealing with all these rapid increasing costs? Let me do the quick math on that. I'm putting you on the spot here. And just so you know, whatever you say on this show, you we are. fact check. Okay. So everything's <laughs> fact checked. Excellent. Uh, even more pressure. Nothing like a little bit of pressure, right? Just doing a couple of conversions because, you know, we like to work in square meters, the square feet. Oh, and all oh that there you, you threw them off there. It's the dreaded 10.76% thing. That's, that's exactly it. Um, we are seeing, like, in a very good neighborhood, you're seeing uh, a price per square foot of 450-odd in that kind of range. Um, and that's which I know euros, when you, right? So that we is have euros, to convert that, that to um, Canadian here. I'll let you guys try and do that conversion <laughs> back. Um, <laughs> Corey's on it. Yeah, yeah, we're all, we're all over it, Dan. Don't worry. Yeah, Just got to figure it out. But... Um, you know, when you when you start to think about that, it's actually not too bad. But then when you go back to the fact that you're capped at the three and a half times, four times household income, you know, on a hundred thousand dollar wage, you know, you're times that by let's call it three and a half for now. That's uh, you're only borrowing three hundred and fifty thousand, and the rest you have to come up with. And and over here, you have to have a minimum ten percent deposit. So, you know, even if you got your household income, let's say you got it up to 150,000 times 3.5, that's only 525,000. And then I need a minimum 10% on top of that, at least. Exactly. So, you know, when you think about that, that's, that's kind of your price point in and around 600,000. And like that's where things get capped out. Um, and, you know, the median, median average sort of wage over here, I believe last time I checked was around 36. Thousand, don't quote me on that. I, I would need to look that up to confirm. Um, around thirty-six thousand um, wow. a year. So it's you know when you start to look at those, it, it starts to paint a bit of a different kind of picture. It's um, you know it's not like Vancouver where you know I don't want to say that the tap was on and you, you kind of could just do the best you could and, and see what you go into the bank and see what you come out with and, and not really ever have to worry about oh it's only three and a half times four times. But it, it, it is a very interesting market when you are trying to price these houses at the appropriate market, you know, especially when you talk about first-time homebuyers. That's obviously a, a crucial one that, uh, you know, there's a lot of the demographic that's between, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's 22 to 29, might even be to 32, that are still living at home, you know, wow. um, because they can't get into the market because, Houses are just beyond a single income, so you can't afford them. And you know, since the 2008 crash, obviously there's a, a consensus—well, I wouldn't say a consensus, but a general market view on apartments that you you don't want to own an apartment. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people got burned in 2008, and still to this day, uh, uh, struggling to pay them off and and try and get above above. Uh, you know, what they owe on it and make some money on it to, to move on to a house. So, you know, the, the idea of the housing continuum that I know uh, Byron Chad loves to uh, talk about, you know, moving along the housing continuum, uh, you know, it doesn't exist, unfortunately, over here, which I think is a real missing market, to be perfectly honest. So, Dan, with that said there, with the 10% minimum and then obviously the, the three and a half multiplier on your income, how many people are buying properties with 10%? Is there a, is there a market there that... 
I make 150000 but I'm buying an $800,000 or $900,000 house because I've got the extra cash or equity I've built in other properties. Is there a market there or is it really constraint when you guys are looking into to what you're building and where you're building? Um, it's a very, very small market. Um, look, it is there, Corey. You know, I don't want to say that it isn't because it is there. Um, you know, there's also the, the, the bank of the parents, which always comes into play sometimes. But, um, you know, it, it's such a small market that you wouldn't be, you know, we don't position ourselves going into a development with the mindset that we are targeting that demographic. Um, you know, we do go into the market as targeting first-time home buyers. Um, new immigrants to the country. You know, there's, there's a lot of culture here where people want to, you know, buy a house right near their family, right near their parents, right near their brothers and sisters. And so it, it does become harder and harder then um, to get people to move. That being said, you know, at the end of the day, you have to make sacrifices to, to get into the market and, and, you know, have a home. So obviously in Vancouver and the surrounding areas, the the rental market has just sort of exploded in the last year here. What's the the rental market like where you are? Yeah, it's funny you uh it's funny you touch on that one. I would, you know, had we had this call about 6 to 12 months ago, I would have said it is insane. It is uh you know, uh, I think the the term that they use over here in the media is vulture funds, which is actually just uh pension funds or big, uh, you know, property uh, consortiums that uh, have been put together to, to own apartment buildings. So predominantly for new developers, we are looking at when we do a development that has apartments, we are looking to sell them to a PRS, which is private rental sector. Um, we are looking to sell them directly as a one-stop shop to the likes of a Graystar or a Savills or, you know, so on and so forth, just to name a few, you know, and it's just trying to see who's out there as, as that would buy them. Um, unfortunately, with uh, the rising inflation and uh, the, the mortgage rates increasing, um, that PRS market has started to look, you know, a little bit more unsteady because the, the yields aren't quite there. However, there is such a strong rental sector here in Dublin that it is still propping that up. Um, and, you know, look, if, if you're an investor and you, you position yourself correctly, there's still great opportunities out there at the multifamily units um, apartment buildings. But as a developer, we are, we are starting to question whether it's as strong as it has been, unfortunately. As I say, though, it, it is such a strong market, the rental market here, that it's, it's just trying to work out what that next position is um, with obviously increasing um, interest rates and and what does that look like um, into the short term here for the next 12 months. With the kind of restrictions on, you know, getting your own house with a three and a half multiplier, what type of investment market exists there? If, if I have a house already, am I buying a condo as a rental investment similar to what I do in Vancouver or is, or is that... Is there a lot of restrictions around that on the, the mortgage side that sort of it doesn't, you know, prohibits me from becoming an investor? Yeah, for sure. Look, yes and no. I wouldn't say there is personally um, from what I've seen in the market. Now, I, I think I have a little bit of a, a skewed view, unfortunately, from traveling the world and seeing other ideas. And, you know, I, I kind of a little bit adverse to risk and, and understanding how the market works. But um, the ability is there. I would say that a lot of the time, the legal system is in favor of the tenants. However, I, from what I've seen, it's nothing dissimilar to how it is in Vancouver. You know, you still have your means to, to 
evicted tenant if they're not paying and so on. Um, however, it's, there's a, a mentality that it's, it's potentially a little bit too hard to have a uh, investment property in that aspect. Now, you do get taxed quite high um, on your personal income. So that's usually a factor. And then you do have to have a minimum 30% down if you're buying an investment property as well. So sometimes they're factors uh, into it. Do you guys have similar type rental restrictions that we have over here with regards to you know annual increases and stuff like that? Yes, we do. We have uh, rent, like a rent freeze in certain areas. So it can only be increased by a very minimal percentage. Um, and it, so it's, it's a zoned area, um, for example. Um, so it might be certain suburbs are zoned um, like that. That being said, the, the there is opportunity out there. Um, you know, there's plenty of uh, apartments in the city center and, and walk-up townhomes that uh, are great rentals. Um, and, and unfortunately, there's a massive need for rental here. Um, it's just trying to work out that, that, as I say, that next 12 months of the mechanisms that actually work where, you know, interest rates aren't too high, that you're actually affording your payment, affording your payments back to the bank but also having a rental income. So it's definitely there. It's definitely there. So you must be following what's happening in Vancouver in terms of our market here. What are your thoughts on, on the Vancouver market right now? That's an interesting one. Um, yeah, definitely definitely following it and, and keeping an eye on it. Um, you know, still obviously heavily invested there and have a lot of uh, friends and family there that uh, like to stay in close contact with. I think it's, it's slowly changing. You know, it, I think... The true value of, of things is starting to be shown, you know, if, if you've got investments in the right areas and, and you know, it's, it's set up correctly, I, I think it's still moving. Um, obviously, starting to see a little bit of a dip. You know, look, uh, coming from Sydney, Australia, it's like we, we've seen plenty of dips that, you know, it, it ended up being just more of a plateau at the end of the day. And it's kind of hard to tell at this point. It's still very early days. Look, I, I think... It, things are going to probably get fairly tight at some point, but it, it, it's all part of it at, at the end of the day. Um, I think it's going to come down to seeing where, how far these interest rate hikes keep going and, you know, what happens next, to be perfectly honest. But uh, look, the cooling down that uh, I guess I'm seeing from over here, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, but um, I, I don't see it lasting more than 12 to 18 months, to be perfectly honest. And then just from a reference from a reference standpoint, Dan, who you mentioned at the start of the show, was with Chard Developments over here. So he was on the front lines dealing with the boom and the towers going up and stuff like that. And Dan, to echo your, your thoughts there, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think the residential thing can slow down because demand is still too high. Obviously, one of the challenges we have over here on the residential side of the business, not so much commercial, is the stress test. So a lot of people want to buy. They just can't qualify. So... Demand hasn't diminished. I think it's just people just can't afford to buy right now because of the stress test rules. But once interest rates come down and stuff like that, demand is still so high. Immigration is still so high that I think it's going to take off again once it has the ability yeah, to do that. And it's funny you say that, Corey. I think that's the perfect kind of example uh, comparison to um, to Ireland is exactly that. The, the demand is super, super high, but the you know the ability to actually get into the market and qualify is the issue. So, yeah, I would say it's very similar in that sense. And it'd be interesting to see where things go. But as I say, I think it's just going to level out here, you know, in Vancouver and here in Ireland as well. And, and you know, I, I don't don't see it going the other direction, to be perfectly honest. 
Well, that's a great note to leave us on. Dan, before we let you go, we have our six-pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests so we get to know you a little bit more. (laughs) Do you have a few more minutes for us? Yeah, of course. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right, we'll start with, we'll start, we'll we'll start with an easy one and we're going to give you an option here. You can do the Ireland version or you can do the Vancouver version. It's your choice. Favorite bar or restaurant? (laughs) Favorite bar or restaurant? Uh, it has to be Nook in Vancouver. Oh, to be perfectly good honest. choice. Uh, I love Nook down in Kiss there um, in the summertime when the windows are all open. Oh, can't beat that. It is uh, something I will never forget. And to be honest with you, that's the main reason I would come back is just to get the gnocchi just down at Nook. Just for the gnocchi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> love that. All right. Second question. You found yourself yourself on death row. We know you're not that kind of guy, but what would be your last meal? If you were on death row. Last meal. Jeez, I think I actually just said it was the, uh, the gnocchi. The gnocchi oh, from Nook. It was a two for one question yeah, that we got. I, two answers for... I, I genuinely, genuinely love the, that uh, gnocchi there. It's uh, it's unreal. Well, you know, I've never been there for the gnocchi, but now it's going high on my list because I love gnocchi. Mm. So it's going to go high on my list. <laughs> there you go. Next question for you, Dan. Favorite band or musician? Uh, it has to be Ed Sheeran. Oh. Uh, you know, I thought about saying uh, Nickelback because I know Corey. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You see. love Nickelback, but yeah, I, love, uh, I love some Nickelback. I with uh, Ed Sheeran. But again, as a redhead myself, I have to love Ed Sheeran as well. Ah, see, you can, there you, you can go. relate. You know, there you go. So, you know what we need to do? We need to, we need to get a duet like Nickelback featuring Ed Sheeran. Oh, wow. I'm out. That, that Sorry. Would, that would be that. a great The problem is, Ed Sheeran's <laughs> just so big, he'd probably say no. But if we could convince oh, them somehow, no, let's be honest. <laughs> the best the best of the both worlds there, Ed Sheeran and Nickelback. Oh, that would be awesome. All right. Next question up. What show are you currently binge watching on Netflix or Amazon? What show? Uh, on Netflix, uh, we're actually binge watching. My wife and I are binge watching Buying Beverly Hills. You know, can't get away from those real estate shows as, uh, you know, soapy and drama filled they are. The, Nice to see the real estate, you know? I, I'm going to second can't that one. 14 to $60 million homes. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm going to second that one because not only, and this sounds bad, not only have I watched that episodes one through eight once, I successfully finished watching <laughs> one through eight a second time yesterday. <laughs> yes, I love it. Nice. Yeah, great, great show. After what that, selling Sunset, you know, just. I can't. No? I can't watch that stuff. But you're such a rock star residential realtor. Uh, how could you not watch that stuff? Because I'm such a rock star residential what, you, realtor. You, that's not how you guys negotiate <laughs> contracts? <laughs> it's just, it's a little little too fake for me. It's a little too, like, you know, focused on the drama. Oh, the, oh. I assume that's how your world worked. I had no idea. That's not how it really is? No. I, well, you know, I when you, when you exactly live that, <laughs> when you live that life every day, I, I can't go home and, and watch it on the TV too, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. A friend of mine, I think he watched an episode of like million dollar listing and it had to be an episode where they're probably, I think it was the two Josh's where they had to be sitting about 20 feet apart at a table, just the two of them, like throwing offers back and forth till they came to an agreement. And he's like, 
is that really how it's done? I'm like, no, that's not how it's done. It's just, it's ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. But, but thank you for clearing that for us, Melissa. I, I thought that's how you guys did it. You know? <laughs> All right. Last question here. What's your go-to karaoke song? And it can be after a couple of Guinnesses. Oh, definitely has to be after a couple of uh, Guinnesses. Um, geez, you know what? This isn't my go-to song, but um, I was at the Australia Ireland game there. Uh, you know, sadly, Australia lost by three points, but uh, there the other weekend in the rugby, um, and uh, I was in a location where there was a bit of a musical thing going on and they were doing a lot of sing songs for the, the Irish you know they love their sing songs over here and uh, you know sure enough they spotted me being the only Australian wearing a yellow uh, jersey there and uh, I had to sing Waltzing Matilda to everyone in, in the crowd which was uh, a bit of fun but uh, that's, that's, that's all I got in, in that sense but uh, you know so here, here's, a, a, here's a bonus of, question for you best band oh, out God. of Australia as an Australian, what is the best band, in your opinion, that's come out of Australia? I got mine. I'll share it after. Ooh. What is the best band out of Australia? There's a lot of good ones. A lot of good um, ones. Why am I having a mental blank on this? Hang on. Um, you've, you've got... You have to edit this bit, but... Uh, no, it's, <laughs> you've, got, you've got In Excess. You've got... I don't know who that is. Like yeah, we do. Okay. Fair. Well, yeah, ACDC, but then there's also... Um, why am I having a mental blank on this? Hang on a second. Hang on. I'm going to have to search this one. Sadly. I can throw, I can throw out my favorite band from Australia and that, that could trigger it. Now that's going back a few years now. When I was 16 years old. One of the best albums in high school was Frog Stomp by Silverchair. <laughs> I don't know what you just said. I don't know what that is. No, yeah, but this is what, what you're that 25. Is. That's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. 75. So Silverchair... <laughs> In my opinion, was the best band out of Australia in my high school days. Noted. Yeah, I would say Midnight Midnight Oil would be the oh, that's one, a good one. To mind. Yep. You know, when you say Silverchair, In Excess is definitely up there. Crowded House is the other oh, big Crowded one. Crowded House. Class. I, I, obviously, I didn't know yeah. they were from Australia. That sounds really bad. I don't even know who yeah. they are. If you heard the it's songs, you know they are. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll listen to it after. <laughs> so, so, Dan, here's, here's my last question for you. Is Sydney as nice as it looks on Lux listing Sydney on Amazon there? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, it's honestly a beautiful city. Um, you know, as my mom will always say, it's, the sun is always shining there and it's always warm there compared to whenever she comes to visit us in either Vancouver or now Ireland. She's uh, She sounded a little bit cold compared to Sydney, but... Uh, Sydney. Yeah, no, it is, it is a beautiful city. Sydney always reminds it's me rare. of like a, a hot Vancouver. Like it kind of reminds me of Vancouver. It's, it's, I'll be honest with you. I never really had much interest in it. And then when I saw that TV show on Amazon, just how spectacular the beauty of it was and the houses, mm. I can see why there's so much pent-up demand. Yeah, it is is beautiful. Honestly, it is very much like Vancouver, except just on a different scale. Um, it's It's busy it's big it's you know you've got the, the beaches the part of life um everyday life but you know getting the ferries back and forth to manly it's yeah it's it's a very cool city highly recommend going if you haven't been yet we appreciate your time we know it's late where you are there can you tell us more how our listeners could find out more about what you guys are doing over at kane homes there yeah for sure i mean you can uh look up on our website uh Corey, i can provide that to you to uh put in the show notes we will um, for sure and uh, 
you know, look, feel free to uh, reach out to me at, you know, danieleagling at gmail.com. I'm always happy to have a chat and grow connections and, and chat about uh, what's happening around the world. You know, thanks for having me, Corey. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. We know it's late where you are and we appreciate the insight on everything you guys are doing over there. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Corey. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Thank Dan. You. Take care. All right, folks, there you have it. Our interview with Dan Eagling, all the way from Ireland. A lot of great takeaways, a lot of similarities to Vancouver and some of the challenges we have over here that's being echoed over there. Yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit better that their permitting process is not any better than ours. Yeah, so. it's, it's hard to make Vancouver's permitting process look good. And I think Dan managed to do that. Well, one thing I was very I was surprised that somebody anywhere could, could put up a judicial review or a complaint about the brick color, although it had absolutely nothing to do with your property so far away. And they have to go through that process. It seems that like a seems like an administrative nightmare. Could you imagine if I, someone like just had a like a vendetta against a developer and just like people were just sending these in all the time? Well, yeah, absolutely. Like if you think about even on social media, comments on a post, like it, it seems that easy that you can just comment and say, I I don't like this. I'm not, you know? Yeah. P- people love that. They love to just well, give, one thing give their two cents. Yeah, every, everyone's got their two. And one one thing too you find with these, you know cities that are that are developing at the rates that they are here in Vancouver is everyone says, we need housing, we need housing, we need housing. Then a great project shows up in someone's backyard and it's a not my backyard syndrome kicks in and everyone needs housing somewhere else. So you can't sort of win it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they get, one thing I found really, really interesting about their process there on the mortgages is you really had to work with like a three and a half percent multiplier to find out what you qualify for. And, and then of course, minimum 10% and 30% on an investment property, which is, you know, it's difficult here regardless. Yeah. And that's, that's even more. Well, when you say difficult, we're talking about everyone except for Adam. Because Adam, <laughs> Adam owns property in Kelowna. So he's got no problem. Getting... Somehow our, our episodes have just been, we're, we're going after Adam apparently. Well, see, here's, here's the thing now. So some of the listeners may or may not know, Adam's not here. He's not. He's not in the country, nor is he in North America. He's traveling right now. So right now, if we're going to get any shots in that, Adam, Now's the time to do it. He's not going to listen to this episode. That no, is for no, he's sure. listen to our show. Can <laughs> we? We're, we're we're safe over here. We're safe over here. <laughs> All right, I don't want to say too much, but yeah, yeah. You, you have to you have to answer to him every day. I just have to answer to him once a week. So, <laughs> well, that was a great conversation with Dan. So, Corey, how can people get a hold of you at William Wright Commercial? People can reach us at our Vancouver office at any time at 604-428-5255. Let us know what you're looking for and we'll put you in touch with the best agent in the province for your needs. They can visit our website, williamwright.ca and sign up for the latest and greatest news. Or you can send me an email anytime, corey at williamwright.ca. Always love hearing about the show. Always happy to talk real estate. Awesome. And then for all those listeners, these shows live at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com where there's dictations of the shows. You can find all the links to pre-sales and everything there. We have an exciting pre-sale coming up in the commercial realm that we're very excited to put through the VIP list. So make sure you go there and you sign up and all of the episodes live there. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at melissa at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com for any residential needs. There you go. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Subscribe today.